In this podcast, we often talk about romance from the perspective of an interaction between two people where there is lust or longing or attraction or friendship involved. And that makes sense because this is a podcast involved in looking at films in particular that usually put two people in a room together and says, maybe... But romance is also pursuant of the idea that we can see the world in a more interesting light. Like, if I think something is romantic, it's something that appeals to me as a person in a way that goes above the ordinary. If I'm looking at something as an ideal, maybe it means I'm I'm idealizing an aspect of the world a little bit, but sometimes that can be wonderful. And I think there's so few films out there that combine an idea of multiple romances, where it's the romance of sport, and it's the romance of romance, and it's the romance of a period piece, and it's the romance of like class struggle, where, sure, we are throwing away a lot of reality, but that's okay, because it's awesome. So sit back, relax, grab some mead, and listen to your boys talking about one of my favorite films, Brian Hegelin's witty, irreverent, highly underrated, A Knight's Tale. Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms, Mead Edition. Mmm, it's like being with Hrothgar in the mead path of... You know, I just watched an episode of Star Trek Voyager where they did the Beowulf story, and it was goofy, but it was really, really good at the same time. I uh, I think there's an untapped well there. I like a Hrothgar story. Wait, Star Trek did Beowulf? Oh, I mean, okay, you've been to the holodeck, right? They, they went to the holodeck and someone was like, give us... Oh, wait, who wrote that? The Beowulf story! Oh, it's isn't it like un unnamed? But they think it's a certain person. It's by Gosh, our lore shite shit. today, especially for this episode. Um, yeah, I'm Kelly McCrillis. I am, as always, your clinky co-host. Clink. I'm Ryan Graves with the clinkiest. It's the clinky. <laughs> Welcome to an episode. Right, hold on. I'm sorry. Stop. Can I tell you a story? <laughs> it has nothing to do with the movie that we're watching. Tell me a real life story. You you gave me a story a couple of weeks ago, as as audience members will remember. Hold on, your child is like playing the, the guitar, the forbidden game. You do not do that, Theo. Theo, stop. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, you told us a story the other week about you going out and not being able to sit at a bar. Yeah. Okay, I got one. I got one for you. Are you ready? Yeah. This is the story about how Kelly couldn't find a bathroom. Ugh. So, as we're in this transition time between things being open now and more people going to places that are open, yes, and the time where barely anybody was going anywhere and there were few, far fewer people using said restrooms. Yep. There's. There's kind of this time where people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're open now. But no, you definitely can't use the restroom because those have been like kind of closed to the public for the last 10 years. Yep. So um, I leave work and I'm like, oh, you know what I got to do? I got to stop off at uh, Next Adventure, which is kind of like a small town REI kind of place. And I'm going to get a chair. And so I show up there. But 
as soon as I like land, I the brand muffin hits. No, well, I mean, you're the you're, two cups of coffee hits. You're a man, right? You're a man. Some say <laughs> you're a man who, like me, has stomach issues. Yeah, to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, I had che- a cheese burrito and two cups of coffee. Damn. Uh, it wasn't just cheese. There were other things in it. But um, consequently, I was like, you know what? It's about time I use the restroom. It's about that time. And it was that time where your stomach is like, hey, dude, we it's better time. do this soon. So um, I get into Next Adventure. And I'm like, hey, I need to use the restroom. Can you point me to the restroom? I do that thing. You know, no, where you're like, it is uh, closed, where is it? sir, for COVID. It, it literally says um, like the restaurant or it's like the restroom is closed to customers. And I'm just like crap and the the woman there was like nice and she's like i'm sorry like closed and so i get my chair and i'm like that's okay i'm going to fred meyer next to pick up something i'll just go there they closed the fred meyer one not necessarily (laughs) so i go into fred meyer closed but only for homeless people i mean you're not too far off (laughs) so what happened was i get into fred meyer i'm walking to the store and it's getting bad at this point i'm having to use every inch of my willpower to you got the guy to tinkle waddle yeah, yeah, except it's it's worse. Oh, yeah. And I feel cursed at this point because I'm walking through the store and like literally somebody drops stuff in front of me and explodes on the floor. And Oof. I'm like, can't go down that aisle. I try to go down the next one. And it's just blocked off. I try to go down the next one. And immediately there's this guy who's like, hi, let's talk about beer. God. And I'm just like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> and at one point in time, this guy even like dropped something on the floor. And I was like about to bend down because, you know, me, I'm always have to help. Mm hmm. I couldn't like, <laughs> like nope, I, nope, I start nope. moving in that direction and my body's like, don't, don't do it. Otherwise there will be consequences. <laughs> and so I finally, the Fred Meyer um, bathroom is three stories. up. Yeah. It's the really tall Fred Meyer. And so the question you got to ask yourself, can I walk up these stairs fast enough or will I, can there, I last the elevator? There is a balance <laughs> because the elevator takes really long. I know that from previous experience, yeah. but there's a balance to walking upstairs quickly or maintaining the right posture. Yep, 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 yep. Sure, sure, sure. And sure, so sure. I, I, I hit that middle ground, and I was like, I, I flipped out my phone. I had a notes app that had the um, number to the lock in the bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. It, by the way, anybody out there? It's zero five two seven. I have that thing memorized now. <laughs> the Fred Meyer GM's like, damn it. <laughs> That's okay, because not only it. do I know it, but most. Houseless people, I think, in Portland know it, know it because I opened the door. There were seven people waiting to use the restroom no. in front of me, and they all just turned and looked at me like they had been waiting to use the restroom for yeah. a long time. I look around the corner just to see what my chances are, and there are two people sitting on the floors <gasps> in each of the stalls, and the stalls are locked. And uh, there's already people like arguing in there, like, get out of the bathroom. And I'm just like, Ooh. this is not <laughs> a good situation. So I step out of the men's room. I look across to the women's restroom and I'm just like, maybe this is my time. This is my time where I just have to bite the bullet and like break social protocol, which literally made me sweat bullets thinking about it. Here's the thing. In Portland, I think I think everyone forget would either forgive you or would give you the benefit of the doubt. Yes, I think it would be fine. And so I'm about to do it, and then an old woman, like just moving oh. so slow, like gets to the door. And she starts, would not give you the benefit of the doubt. She starts pressing buttons and can't <laughs> open the door. And you're like zero five zero two. And no, and I realize I don't know the code to the women's room, mm. which is probably different. But she finally gets the door open, and there's like six women in there oh waiting. Too. And this is a small bathroom. Yeah. So I'm just like screw it i'm going to walgreens Mm -hmm. and so i walk down the stairs very quickly and as soon as i hit like that base floor i i reach a sense of zen where i 
<laughs> I was like, oh, okay, if I can stay here. I can make it. Wherever here is, I can get to where I'm going. We're going to make it. I start walking across the street. There is a woman in the crosswalk yelling at a car. And I try to go around her, but then she starts walking towards the car and we're like veering. Like, you know how Han Solo's like, I'm, I've got some moves up my sleeve and he veers left. That's oh, yeah. what both of us did at the same time. I'm she having soloed a, him. That's good. That's I'm really having good. a hard time getting around this lady, but I finally do it. I make it into Walgreens. I walk up to a gentleman. I pick up a deodorant, which is something I'm like, I know I need this. I'll buy this. And I hold it up to him and say, where's the restroom? <laughs> and he said, sir, we have no restrooms. God damn it. Which, sir, is a lie. You have one. I've been there several times. I know there's a restroom in here. You just think I'm crazy because I'm sweating bullets and holding a deodorant out into your face. Here's, but please let me go. Here's what I don't get about anyone closing the bathrooms. You're always socially distanced in the bathroom. You're in the bathroom. I know. And I'm I'm just at this point in time, I'm still in my Zen spot, but I'm really like it's breaking. Like I'm shaking a little bit. And so I'm like, OK, OK, I'm just. Did gonna, you drop the deodorant? I paid for it. Oh, you paid for so, it. The thing I is, would have dropped it like Michael Corleone drops the gun in The Godfather. Be like, nope. See, <laughs> I didn't I didn't have it taped to the toilet. Um, I I was like, I need deodorant because I'd been working on set all day yeah. and I forgot to use, wear deodorant. I was smelling and I didn't want to walk around town looking like a maniac needing to ask for people's bathrooms. I needed I needed ambassador juice. I've been there. Which is this. And so I just like literally walked up and I was going to go to the cashier, but guess who was there? The crazy lady asked you who was yelling at the cars. Yes. She was trying to pay for three things of sunscreen with change. <laughs> and so she was taking forever. And then I look, the photo booth guy is there and we connect to eyes and he's like, yeah, right over here. And then as soon as he raises his hand, this little old lady looks at me, gives me the dirtiest eye I've ever seen and walks over to him in what? front of me. And so by the time I finally get out of there, I like walk down a staircase. I, I, I look bad right now. I'm like putting on deodorant in a staircase outside. It's it's not a good look for me. And I finally make it over to my car, which is back at Fred Meyer. And I have to drive six blocks to a coffee shop I know. I walk in past the um, barista who knows me and I just say, yep, <laughs> grab the bathroom key and make it to the restroom with like, I break. Seconds to spare. Yeah, it's it was an amazing moment for me. And I... Don't think I've ever been sadder and happier at the same Cheers. time. Cheers. Good job. So we, we're watching an adventure movie today, and I just wanted to start it off with an adventure. Well, I just want to say you're not alone. <sighs> uh, a year and a half ago, you observed that I also had stomach issues that I have turned around on completely. And while COVID was happening, my stomach issues were like going away. And I'm like, man, I'm feeling so good these days. And the whole world was getting sick. I was like, sorry, everyone else. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. But, but you know, it got to I don't the think, point. I don't think anybody will begrudge you feeling good. <laughs> but it got to the point where on uh, our 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 tram is called the Max here yeah. in Portland. Mm -hmm. It's like the Bart or the Tube or whatever. It got to the point where I knew every stop what bathroom. Like I'm, I basically Costanza to the whole place is like right. perfect bathroom. That coffee shop right over there. Just ask for the key from the barista. Like I knew every stop of like if I had a problem, I know which stop to go for. I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about going into a coffee shop that was just down the way from the Fred Meyer, but I was like, I have no. I have no idea if their bathroom's open to patrons I know. right now. I dealt with the same thing the other day. It wasn't an emergency, but it was like, I got to, it was actually funny. I f went to work downtown for the first time these past two weeks ago, last week. 
and I forgot my like office keys. Like the the, af- the actual office I can get into is like actually a finger scanner. So like oh, I didn't need a key yeah, to get in there. Nice. But the bathroom key I forgot at home because I hadn't need to use my keys in a year and a half. So use the planner in the office. No. <laughs> But I was like, oh, my coworker will have his keys, but he won't be here for a couple hours. So I went down to the Starbucks and I got a breakfast sandwich and I was like, and where's, point me to your bathroom. And they're like, that's closed. I'm like, ah! I know. And at that point, you've already bought something. And so I took my sandwich and then I went to the Pete's Coffee across the street and I said, I'm going to buy something. Where is your bathroom? And they're like, oh, here, right? Here's oh, Pete's. I'm like, ha You will have my business. So I have not been back to that Starbucks, but I've been to that Pete's, not for bathroom purposes, but just to reward Pete's for being sure. common sensed. And I've been rewarding them with my business. I would say business. Pete's marginally better than starbucks anyway yeah so it's a good choice see powell's used to be the best like mm-hmm. one-stop bathroom shop but they're totally closed i mean they're open but welcome to bathroom cast come on guys if, guys, if you open your bathroom if you want to know where to go in portland where are your guys the best places to go um <laughs> you're 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 in a futz we got your butts <laughs> Anyways, today's movie... Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got a game for you. Hey! So today's game is called Whose Accent Is It Anyway? Oh, I like it. Because this is an honor. We did A Knight's Tale this week. We're doing A Knight's Tale. And it features Shannon Sossman doing a good enough British accent. Sure. Here's the thing. Uh, if we really wanted authenticity, we would be asking everyone to speak Middle English throughout this. Even Like, the fact that they're speaking in... What year is this movie set in? If it's the 14th century, right? Okay, yeah. It would be... They met, right. They're meeting Chaucer. Isn't well, he 1400s? French. It'd be French. No, Middle English. That's what we read. The Canterbury tells right, Middle that's English. Right. So, but people people would be... Um, It'd be like Franklish. Commoners, commoners would be speaking Middle English. Yeah. Or French if you're on the French side of yeah. things. And they're in France a lot in, yeah, in this movie. For sure. Like, because Chaucer wrote in Middle English, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem was the peasantry couldn't read. Yeah. And so it wasn't really for them. But the, like, the higher-ups couldn't read Middle English. They only read French. So what's funny is in Monty Python, the Holy Grail, when John Cleese is like, you get away, you and your knickets, <laughs> just like that weird, dumb pronunciation of knights. He's just pronouncing the Middle English of it. He's yeah, just pronouncing sure. it the way that he's supposed to do it. And he's supposed to sound stupid, but he's actually saying it correctly. I thought that S was supposed to be an F. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The 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 questions I'm going to ask you. I'm going to name an actor, and you're gonna. Ha- I'm gonna to have to tell you where they're from. Yes. Okay. Well, I think I'll start with probably the easiest one. Do I do I need to obvious. do I need to say this in in the accent? Do I need to say their name in the particular accent that? I guess I'll are? give you a bonus point if I like your accent well enough. Fair enough. Okay. I think this is the easiest one. Star Wars is John Boyega. Well, I'm just gonna say american your answer is john boyega is american american i I guess so Eh, wrong he is british he was in attack the block he was in seen attack the block why did they have him do an american accent in star wars i have no idea it's really weird they said daisy ridley you can be british john boyega no, no. John Boyega, no. pull it back. Pull what? it back. Come no, on, come on. No, no. You are a stormtrooper and a low class stormtrooper. That makes you American. No, no, no. Apparently, he's really good in that Amazon Prime series that's directed by Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, who made 12 Years a Slave, and he's supposed to be really good in this. Okay. 
Next one. Margot Robbie. I, Tanya, Wolf of Wall Street, and a bit part in Love It. Not Love It. Well, and she's she's uh, also. Um, what am I thinking of? About time. Oh, that's right. And Harley Quinn. I mean, these are all very American roles, except for the About Time. Yeah, she's pulls off some pretty good American. Margot accents. Robbie. Margot Robbie. So French. No. Um, I'm going to say. Also going to say English. Margot Robbie is English. Damn it. She is Australian. See, oh, so I listen to the the Weekly Planet, which is an Australian podcast, and they always talk about they always talk about like you know comic book movies. I feel like they would have said that at one point in time. They would have been proud. All right, fine. All right, here's is, is that the second to last question already? Uh, this is this is uh, you got four questions. Okay, I gotta redeem myself. I'm going to give you a real curveball. Okay. Gottfried John, whom you don't know who that is, but I'll tell you, is General Otomov in GoldenEye, Pierce Brosnan's oh. James Bond movie. Otomov. Yeah. He is a Russian uh, big bad. He's the big bad. Yeah, I know He's what his Russian. face looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks very Russian, too. You're like, yeah, that, that dude's Russian. I think I'm going to say German. Yes! 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 Ding, 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 yes! Ding, ding, ding. Well done, sir. I, it's, well done. It's just the face. The face yes. looks kind of German. To yes, me. he is German. He is in a bunch of like German art house films. Like he's been in a lot of Rainier, Rainier Fassbender films. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know, I haven't seen oh, them, but he's supposed oh, to be really oh, good. Oh, good that job. Feels good. All right, last question for the kitty, Mister Sam Neil. Jurassic Parks, Jurassic Worlds, Sam. Sam Neill, also New Zealand. Oh! Thank you very much. That's, yes, that's that what I get for the being real a, a Taika Waititi fan right Yeah, there. because I thought you were going to say Aussie, but you know, you knew. I almost did. I yes. was like, ah, Zealand. <laughs> I'll be the same. Well, because um, if, if anybody hasn't seen it, go see Hunt for the Wilder People. It's. Well worth your time. It's very charming. Yeah. Very charming Taika Waititi film. Waititi. All right. Well, today's film is A Knight's Tale. Let's starring dive in. an Australian actor. Starring Australia's finest, Heath Ledger. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, you'll probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. This is the story of a knight's tale, which is loosely based off of Chaucer's A Knight's Tale, <laughs> a knight's tale which is uh, part of the Canterbury Tales. Um, it is about mainly Heath Ledger and Mark Addy and Alan Tudyk, who are these kind of pages slash squires for a knight, but they're all low class squires for a knight who doesn't seem to be that high class as he is, yeah. right? And um, what happens in this story is the knight dies right at the beginning of the film. And Heath Ledger says, I will ride in his stead because they're in the middle of a jousting tournament. And so Heath Ledger jousts. He wins the tournament and then he convinces his two compatriots to basically try to make this happen where Heath Ledger pretends to be a knight. He pretends to be of the Lord class so that he and his two buddies can um, change their stars, which is to basically say change their station. 
I I really like his rationale of like here's the thing here's the difference between peasants and lords the lords took their power the peasants do nothing about it so let's go take power right base it's a it's it's kind of a revolution movie but in a very 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 small way yeah, yeah. but he he is committed and he is driven yes like he it. is I I love when he's trying to convince the two of them and he he's holding all the money that they've earned from this first tournament win. And he's like, see, money doesn't matter. And then they all go tackle him and take yeah. the money from him, which is like representing that whole thing he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, Along the way. So they win the first tournament right. on a lark, kind of like. Yeah. I mean, they win by him not falling off his horse, yeah. which is just what he needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so then they're like, all right, let's let's see how far we can take this. Let's see if we can basically con our way into Heath Ledger being a knight. A little bit of a con movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. And on the way, they meet a naked Paul Bettany. A naked Paul Bettany, who I think is one of our greatest actors, one of our greatest untapped resources, who is British. Yes. Ha ha. I win. <laughs> and um, he is the... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. He's Vision in the Marvel Universe. He is. Um, he's also Jarvis. Well, yeah, before like, he's Vision. Yes, I mean, it's the like same character, Jarvis basically. Jarvis is Vision. Mm-hmm. Jarvis always had a British accent. Yes. Okay. Tony Stark invented Jarvis. Yes. Why is he British? Well, because if you're going to make your eye sound, AI sound smart, got to make him sound British. <laughs> Just like, I, I hope there's some comic where it's like, uh, let's see, what kind of voice do you want to give him? Well, uh, I always like that Paul Bettany. Let's s- give him Paul Bettany's voice. So Friday, it, yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> Um, Friday, who replaces Jarvis, has an mm-hmm. Irish accent. So I think I think there's just something in oh, um, Tony Stark's that. wheelhouse where he's just like, mm, I just want a, I want a nice um, non-American voice yeah. in his ears. Okay, so non um, non-American Paul Bettany shows up. In shows up, this and he is the Jeffrey aforementioned Chaucer. Chaucer. Chaucer, Jeffrey Chaucer, the writer. And what? A what? A writer? You know, I write with ink and parchment. They don't know what a writer is, but he can get them their patents, which is like step two of their plan to like enter these big tournaments where you have to show that you're nobility. And the only way to do that is to have somebody write you up a, a beautiful document stating like your family line, which, you know, poorer people couldn't afford. So this is the way to like, I mean, it's basically your passport into getting into these tournaments. So this is kind of a con movie with that stuff. And you know how the word assassin is de- derived from, from Shakespeare? No, it's actually derived from the um, the Crusades. The assassin was invented for the Crusades is that there were people who realized if we're going to try and win this war, we need to go uh, like kill this person but in secret Mm. and so the word assassin was invented which is why assassin's creed is such a good title because the first assassin creed is set in the crusades let's see shakespeare um assassination shakespeare invented the word assassination assassination so that's where i was thinking this is assassin assassin uh so i want to see like the first true con man movie like in the sense of like who was the first guy to figure out, oh, I can just do this and this and this to con this way? Like the like the Ocean's Eleven of like the ancient world? I think the first con man was the one who convinced another cave person that like, hey, you know what? I've got this great scheme where we're going to basically 
train smaller dinosaurs and those are big dinosaurs and those big dinosaurs will train other dinosaurs and those dinosaurs will train other dinosaurs. Uh, okay. So, so we're going like to a multi-level marketing scheme. Dinosaur training scheme. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It was the cavemen. Who figured I mean, out. the cavemen and the dinosaurs, as we know, were on the planet at the same time. Yeah. Because, right. you know, if you're, if you're involved in a, a you know, multi-level marketing campaign, then you're probably as smart as a caveman. That yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> um, you basically won't have to work. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so basically they con their way into this tournament, and you know it's going all right. But then, like uh, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger is doing the sword, and he's doing the joust. Uh, but then they meet this um, uh, Smithy, who mm-hmm. um, is like the only female Smithy in this castle. I think they're in Rouen, mm-hmm. France. I-, I like that bit about Road to Ruin. Yeah, that's very good. Good writing. Well, you're off the tournament, are you? This is the Road to Ruin, isn't it? Well, you know that really remains to be seen. And uh, she ends up joining their team and uh, building them better armor in the long run. I, I mean, this is, it feels very RPG. It does. Yeah. It's like, and this will be the person making your armor. And this will be your person rolling all of the charisma rolls. Yeah. This is also the city where uh, Heath Ledger, who is absolutely at his most gorgeous, mm. um, meets Shannon Sossaman who is mm-hmm. also at her most gorgeous mm-hmm. in this movie. And uh, the flirtation between the two of them begins. Mm-hmm. And so progresses, basically, throughout this movie, um, a series of tournaments that where Heath Ledger gets better and better at jousting mm-hmm. and romances her. And throughout this, this movie, also, he develops a, a rivalry, I guess, with Rufus Sewell, Hollywood's bad guy. <laughs> and undersung Hollywood good guy in Dark City. If you're a sci-fi fan, you need to go watch Dark City. The director's cut. The director's cut, please. No, no, no. The director's cut. Thank you. Robin and I went through all of his um, IMDb to find another place that he was a good guy. There was one movie where he was kind of like a dark and brooding anti-hero, but that's it. I'll take him over Clive Owen any day. Okay, that's fair. I mean, but... Clive Owen can play a good guy better than Rufus Sewell is what I'm saying. I mean, we've only we've just only seen it the once, really. Yeah. Okay. This all I just I kind of want to cut the story story short so we can just kind of talk about the movie. Is, yeah. If that's if okay. There's not much to the movie. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to the writing, not a lot to the plot. Yeah, the plot is very paint by numbers in a good way. Basically, what happens is this all leads to a tournament in London. Where they find out, uh, Rufus Sewell finds out that William is actually a Thatcher's son. And so he is low class as he you know, was at the beginning of this movie and exposes him for it. And that's kind of a plot point that's been written on the wall. Right, exactly. It's, it was bound to happen. And But luckily, earlier in the movie, Heath Ledger basically jousted against the Black Prince of Wales, who was like next in line to the throne, Edward, uh, when like everybody else in the tournament was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to fight him. And yeah. we have this character of Edward who is only in the movie for a little bit, but has like so much charisma. And he's like, I just want to joust and nobody will joust him because they don't want to hurt like the crown. Yeah. Right. And Heath Ledger's willing to, cause he's like, you know, I respect you as a person too much not to try to bash you with this big stick. Yeah. And so he pardons him and then Heath Ledger beats, um, Rufus Sewell and gets the girl and the movie ends. <laughs> That's the best story I've ever heard. I mean, honestly, can I get up front how you felt about this movie? I liked this movie. 
you liked it. You just liked it. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was fun to be had. I think there's an element that should be should be praised, which the movie is gleefully anachronistic. Mm-hmm. Um, where the opening like sequence, it's Queen's "We Will Rock You," which. If you've ever been to a hockey game or a basketball game where they didn't play We Will Rock You, then you didn't go to a basketball game or a hockey game. I don't think so. <laughs> they will always play We Will Rock You mm-hmm. from now until the end of time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There will be there will be zero grav volleyball where they will play We Will Rock You. The Thin Lizzie's, the boys are back boys in are town, back in town gets in rocked. There. There's a wonderful dance sequence with David Bowie's Golden uh, Years. Golden Years. And then, oh, and there's like a couple montages in addition. Like you got Lowrider in there. Yeah. yeah. Lowrider is the training <laughs> montage, which is great. Uh, you know, I think it's very implicit and intuitive that the director is saying with the, with his music choices of like, okay, guys. Don't take us too seriously. A, A, there's so much accomplished with this music choice. Mm-hmm. A, don't take us seriously. We're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of connected to that, like A part two is we shouldn't take the jousting world right. super serious. Right. We we should treat this, like like you said many times while we were watching this movie, like a modern sports movie set in a period piece. The th- guess the thing is like, they didn't have soccer. They didn't have. They didn't have any other sport. This was their sport. Yeah, and mm-hmm. this is what the peasants are going to do to get entertained. Right, and and I like the idea. I mean, this is like watching, well, like you know when you go see a Shakespeare play done live, yeah. and they're like, we're going to change all of As You Like It's costumes to represent the 1980s. Uh, we're doing Richard the Third in Gangland, Chicago. Exactly. Huh, fresh <laughs> take. <laughs> um. And I, I think what, – what's the third thing it does? Um, it, well, uh, I've lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's – I think maybe just the sports movie attitude of like we're not doing a stuffy period piece where we're not doing The War of the Roses. We're doing a sports movie. I think, I think on top of that, what it wants to say is we're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to the sports movie aspect and the music aspect, I think this covers – well, I think what it also does is it says any anachronisms besides the music are fine. Yeah, which gets into murky territory because when I see things like um, like Bridgerton where they're like, fuck all this. We're going to do everything like none of this matters. I'm like, well, if none of this matters, then why are you making a period piece at all? Like what is period about this? Well, I, I think at that point in time, you have to call it period fantasy. Right. 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 And this movie isn't necessarily that far. Like I Mm -hmm. think people singing, we will rock you is this weird, like cognitive dissonance land where it's like, okay, I can imagine that all of these people are doing the same thing, singing something else. Right. It is a representation of it. It is a exactly interpretation of what was going right. on. Right. It's like we don't we don't necessarily know what traditional song is, and the audience won't connect in, to it necessarily. So we're gonna do Queen. <laughs> it's kind of like um, your English professor saying yes, and then you know when they went to the jousting tournament, they sang uh, a lily for my prince, which is, is 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 it's basically basically we will rock. You. It's basically Queen. Oh. I get it. I totally get it, Leonard Oakland. Okay. Thanks, Mr. Professor. 
Mr. Professor. <laughs> Mr. Professor is my favorite, like, superhero that is all about, like... I'm Mr. Know. Professor. Yeah, exactly. It Look is. out! I'm, I'm here to teach! It is Captain Planet's biggest rival. <laughs> and I am Mr. Professor. Look out! <laughs> so, we have that. That's one half of it. Yeah. Uh, is, like, sports action uh, heist movie. Yeah. On the other side of it, we have, like, really witty comedy. Uh, you know... You say witty, I say silly, goofy comedy. I wouldn't call it witty. I would call, like, Woody Allen, Nora Ephron witty. I would call this fun, goofy comedy. I think there's a lot of wit to be had in the dialogue. Wit? Yes, I do. I think... Um, I wit think, are you talking about? I think um, the the wit, like, the protector of Italian virginity. Like, there, there is so <laughs> there much... There's some good lines in there, There's yeah. a lot of good turns of phrase in this movie that, sure, you don't have to be a... You know, you don't have to have a master's degree to understand the wit no. of this film, but that's fine. I think this movie just respects its audience enough to be smart. Yeah. 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 But but not it's still a sports movie, you know, just because this isn't people in the 1970s being like, oh, let's talk about art and also make a joke pun about sure. it. Sure, But it's 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 just also not Frasier comedy where like Frasier, like their rule was like. They have humor for the 10% where they're like 90% of the time they're doing comedy that everyone will get. And then 10% of the time they're going to do jokes that only like super snobby dorks like us mm -hmm. like get a kick out of because we're English majors. Well, and I mean, like, there was some of that. They reference Chaucer. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was some of that in this film. Yeah. yeah because yeah. like when Chaucer gets name dropped, you and I are like, oh, Chaucer. <laughs> he's, he's like story of the Duchess. Yeah. You know? And I, but I like the stuff where they don't know what a writer is. Yeah. Like, like that's just. That's something that in a movie like, like what's what's the um, Jack Black Michael Sarah movie about them like being in ancient Rome, or the uh, they just, year one year, year one. one that was the one. Um, have you seen it? No, it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> but the opportunity for dialogue that isn't just doing what the plot requires of it is something that you just don't see in certain period piece comedies where yeah. they're just like, Oh no, no, we're just being as funny as we need to be mainly in physical comedy, making a joke about the times. Yeah. Whereas this dialogue felt like a l just, it, it lifted its brow just a little bit. I'm wondering, uh, I'm hoping a listener can chime in and if they've binged us, they've probably heard me say this. I can't remember which story we were talking about where I wanted a, Either we were talking about a modern story that I wanted demade, where it was like made in the 19th century, or a 19th century story told in the modern context. No, no, it was, it was. Um, I think it was Imagine Me and You, and you wanted it set um, like back in Pride and Prejudice times. Yeah, I think I wanted something else too, because right. that's a good idea too. If I had that idea, good job, me. Um, <laughs> what I like. What's great about this movie, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit into trope stuff, and this is something that we argued about when we were watching the movie. By mm -hmm. the way, it was really lovely. We haven't being even talked about the romance. The romance is good. The romance is good. I mean, um, the romance is, let's just, before you jump into that, basically Heath Ledger is lowborn and he's pretending to be a knight, but uh, he falls in love with Shannon Sossman, who's obviously like this pretty powerful, like, I think she must be French. Um, woman, even though she has like an English accent. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do this one more time. Tell me that she's French. She is French. What did oh. I just do? What did I just do with my eyes? 
Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so she is, um, she's quote unquote French, um, nobility. <laughs> and slowly but surely, Heath Ledger kind of romances her with his own wits, with some borrowed from Chaucer, with some borrowed from his friend. And then he has to prove his love to her by taking a bunch of by basically losing and giving up his ego to show that he loves her enough to like lose and to say like his pride is less important than his love for her. Eventually they, they bone down and and fall in love and you know, they bone down indeed. Um, I, I wish I had it with me, but ironically my, I work for living room theaters and they're doing their big grand opening in Indianapolis and one of the films they're screening is A Night's Tale. What? <laughs> cool. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, one, we had one of the Blu-rays lying around because we wanted to, to watch it. Um, and so you didn't have the disc, but I had the disc to, wa- to watch the film uh, at work if we wanted to because we didn't know we were going to screen it. Uh, Dang it. In the, in the Midwest. I wouldn't have had to pay Amazon $3.99. <laughs> but I looked at the back cover. And the back cover doesn't even mention Shannon Sossman. Oh, like, really? The full plot synopsis is all about Heath Ledger, like finding his way as a knight, like changing his stars, becoming a champion. So, marketing wise, they were like, "This is not going to appeal." It to has nothing to do with anybody any interested. There's in romance. no romance. It's just a sports movie through and through. Interesting. Yeah, which goes into my argument, which is. I'm a little surprised that you're 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 hoisting this into our rom-com podcast because Brokeback Mountain is not calm, but it's very much a romance movie. This is truly pushing it to be in our podcast. There are so many movies that I think we could include in our rom-com podcast. If this is what makes the cut, I think this is really pushing it. Okay. So, Ryan, it's funny. I'll, let me ask There's you- romance, but it's really not about those things. It's about Heath Ledger and his drive to be a champion and to be the maker of his own fate sure i'm i'm going to say that is what drives the plot mm-hmm. okay and the story that's what the story is about that's what it's focused that's on. that's what it starts off as right mm-hmm. yeah but along the way a large part of this movie is taken up with that romance mm-hmm. a large part of the movie I wouldn't say a large part. I would say a, I'd say a third of this movie is involved in the romance. Yes, thirty percent of this movie is not large. Thirty percent is on, a minority. On, it on. is small. And then I think another thirty percent of this movie is involved with comedy. Uh, so two sure. thirds of this movie is a rom com. <laughs> okay, one third is rom. One third is com. And one third is like an action sports movie. Uh, I mean, if you, I'm just saying, the math adds up. The, where's, where's the other 10%? Where's the other 10%? There is 10% I, I, I missing. There, well, that 10% is heist. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of conning going on. Exactly. I'm I'm Ryan and I yelled at each other a lot during this movie. There were lots of pausing and saying, this is a sports movie. No, it's a rom-com. It's a sports movie. It's a rom-com. I'm here to tell you, audience, it really doesn't matter. Because what this movie does at the end of the day is make me so freaking glad that the two of them are together. I'm really, I am also equally glad that he won the tournament, Mm -hmm. but I'm so glad that that kiss at the end ends with the stars and they kiss and it fades to his stars that are basically quote unquote changed. And I, I think it just lives in a world that is not saying it has to be this and it has to be this. I'm saying it's like a action sports rom-com. And it's just a multi-hyphenate genre film that I don't think that we should push to the side. Okay, okay. Uh, and also, I think it was super worth the watch. 
Okay. Uh, I, I guess Did I'll, you have a great time? I, I had a good time. Um, I think this Ryan movie, was laughing a lot during this. Movie. I, I had a very good time. It was. I very much recommend it. If you're looking for a like classic rom com, I'm not recommending it in the sense of like if you're looking for something along the lines of the proposal or two weeks notice or when Harry met Sally. Well, or, I mean, the same could be said of something like um, I don't know. We've we've watched other movies like Top Five or. What's another movie that's like, because Top Fives is like about being a comedian, kind yeah, of, right? Yeah, and that like, was also pushing it. Yeah, but at uh, at the same time, like, I'm really glad that we've watched the this mo- these movies in this context where we get to also talk about the romance. Yeah. Because I think the way these kind of films do romance is a really interesting conversation that we can get into. Right, because I'm not going to push it, but if, if, if we're saying this is acceptable for a rom-com, then I'm going to say, great, I brought my buddies Happy Gilmore and The Waterboy with me because those two are sports movies that have romances that are involved with them. But I'm not going to do that. I, well, here's... <laughs> okay, I would, I would say that the, the, the amount of comedy in those sports movies is... It's like... Forty percent sports, forty percent comedy, twenty mm-hmm. percent romance. Oh, I mean, you know, it's pretty negligible at those numbers. You know, you, you just need a little bit more rom to get back into. I the don't podcast. know. Like, I I think what what is um, easy for me to connect to in this film is that the romance itself um, is kind of taken seriously. You you keep bringing up this Taika Waititi quote, which is. Um, What's what's the Star Wars quote? Taika Waititi said about Star Wars: "It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it believes in itself." That's what I think. About this film, a hundred percent, where it believes in both the romance, it believes in the comedy, and it believes absolutely wholeheartedly in the sport of it. Yeah, I mean, I will just say, I'll leave it at this: it's a sports movie first. There's romance, but the first goal is being a sports movie, and that's what that's what I like about this movie. Okay, is that it's saying this movie is competitive with any kind of like modern football movie, basketball movie, baseball movie, anything where it's like you know, an athlete having to like face the odds, the rookie, you know, anything where it's like, there's like some kind of personal thing getting in the way because it's about Heath Ledger. He wants to be a knight. So the only way to do it is to be a champion of these jousting competitions. And so we get a training montage. We have his crew. That's basically like a NASCAR crew that he has his, his pit crew. You know, he's got, he's got his hype man, which is like a very boxing movie kind of thing. And that's, it's really like when when he's doing his hyping. It's Hold like on. this is a Let's boxing play movie it here thing. because this is amazing hyping. Today, you find yourselves equals. <laughs> For you are all equally blessed. For I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights, a knight who can trace his lineage back beyond Charlemagne. I first met him atop a mountain near Jerusalem, praying to God, asking his forgiveness for the Saracen blood spilt by his sword. Next. He amazed me still further in Italy when he saved a fatherless beauty from the would-be ravishings of her dreadful Turkish uncle. In Greece, he spent a year in silence, 
just to better understand the sound of a whisper? And so, without further gilding the lily, and with no more ado, I give to you the seeker of serenity, the protector of Italian virginity, the enforcer of our Lord God, the one, the only, Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein! Here, he's I, a great hype man. He is a great, and I'm not going to argue with you, mainly because I don't want to argue with you, I but... What I'm going to say is all of these sports like movies that you have in your head, like your Remember the Titans, your yeah. Space Jams, yeah. your 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 any of the sports movies that have all of these sports aspects in them, I'm going to bet that all but one percent of them do not end in a kiss. Um no, Waterboy ends in a kiss. Doesn't it? Happy Gilmore? Doesn't he end up with a girl at the end of those? I think he does. He ends up with a girl, but this this movie wants most to focus at the end of the... No. A kiss uh, is not good enough for me. No, I'm no. sorry. I'm, hold on. Because, uh, wait, because... Enough, hold on, hold on. You good don't enough, even let me finish Good my, enough for what is what I'm asking. And, and saying this is a romance movie. It's like I'm there's not, romance here, in I'm it. I'm not saying it's a romance movie. I'm not saying it's a sports movie. I'm not saying it's a comedy. I'm saying very much like Princess Bride, it brings a lot of different elements to it, which makes it a cross-genre film. Right. I'm still saying it's it's funny, there's romance, but mostly it's sports. It's That's fine. M- it's mostly Again, sports. I will let you think that and I'll think something different. <laughs> but but what I like about that part, and this is kind of like veering away from our us being rom-com critics, is saying, I really like that it's mostly a sports movie because it's something fresh. It's like, I don't need to see another movie about a football player facing the odds or a baseball player facing the odds. Mm-hmm. This movie's like, there are other sports in the history sure. of the world. I love that. And it like takes the structure of a sports movie. And that's, that's the real interesting part is like has the tropic characters it has the tropic plot and it just just transplants everything into this medieval world sure this is very true and i agree with you that that is a really great part of the film but what i would love to talk about with you a little bit more is the romance okay because we're here to talk about romance Mm -hmm. so let's talk about shannon sossman's character Mm -hmm. for one let's talk about those costumes whoo so Shannon Sossman is, I feel like they took artist representations of period piece clothing and, and just kept going, made them real. We made them real. And I don't know enough about the standards. Like what's the, um, cause I know in Victorian England, it's all about like covering up, but there are some, there's well, some, and they're not in England. They're in France for the most part. Oh, that's true. This is, this is French stuff. There's, I don't know what European culture was saying. What's your okay. favorite of her outfits? I mean, that sheer thing that she's wearing. Yeah. Where, where both you and I were like, side Oh going my about. God. Um, it's great. There's a hat that she wears that feels like very, very late 19th century. Very Victorian. Yeah, yeah. It's it feels it feels a bit later than it should, but at but the this same, is a movie with Queen, and it's like who exactly cares? right. The movie allows us to forgive that. Now there's um, there's a lot more times where I think she is she is a character that attracts like Heath Ledger. Like basically, she she calls him a hunter, and then uh, she calls herself a fox and won't give him her name. Right? Yeah. And so there's this, they're just like ooh foxy. There's lady. this tease at the beginning where she's like, if you really want me, come get me, and we don't see that a lot in this genre, but I love that we got to see it in this movie. Uh, see what? See, 
like the two people who start off this movie obviously flirting uh-huh. get separated uh-huh. by the fact that like one of them won't tell them the, her name and but they both are obviously attracted to each other and they're like we'll continue this later in the movie. Yeah. Like this is just something that doesn't happen. Like the whole goal is like, Oh, find out who that person is. Oh, I didn't, I missed my chance. Or it's something like, you know who that person is, but you just don't know exactly who they are with like a, you've got mail or there is dream woman from Wayne's world. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Garth can't figure out who she is. Well, I mean, this, this changes, <laughs> I mean, this changes a third of the way in the, through the movie. Cause he finds out her name and Garth ends up with dream woman, but this progression, I think the pacing of their romance is really fun because he doesn't, he's searching after her and he's like calling her a foxy lady. Mm-hmm. And then he wins her over by just being kind of like sincere and less pretentious than Rufus Sewell. Yeah. Right. And he's the only person that doesn't ask for her favor. And I think that is something in life, in romance, is something that's very attractive. Where you're, I, I mean, that's the, the like the whole reason why certain people are attractive to you. It's because they're not trying to be attractive to you. They just are. They just are, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's not even that. It's just that they're they're like because we all want that one person who loves us just to come out and be like, yeah, or not even loves us, but is attracted to us, be like. I am attracted to you. I'm not going to be gross about it, but just let you know, I'm over here and I am attracted to you. Mm-hmm. And Heath Ledger does that in spades. Yeah. And then she kind of slowly returns that favor once she sees that confidence. She's a very Petrarchan woman. And I'm sorry to go English major on you, but the... I'm an English major too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean for our audience. Our oh, audience. sorry, audience. I- I've, gotten very, I've gotten very English major, very you know, pretentious and Fraser Crane, but she's very, uh, what's that poem that we always talked about as like the, the great Petrarch like thing of like to my, to Robert my, Burns. What is that called? She, it's to my pithy lover or like to the lover who ignores me the whole time or something to that effect where Wait. she's going to make, she's going to make him work for it. You know what I'm talking about? There's a poem that's about this. There, there is, but at the same time, what am I talking about? Well, at the same time, though, he responds Works for it. He does, but in 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 kind, he makes her work for it too. What does he do to make her Be- work for it? Well, because like she, he basically is like uh, doing his own thing, right? Yeah, and she's she's the one that approaches him and is like, "Hey, I want to dress to match you at this ball. Will you?" Co-? She basically asks him to go to the ball with her. Yeah. Right. And then later on, he's like, you're a silly girl. Roses are dumb. And she's like, you're a boy. Sticks are dumb. Yeah. That and moment, I didn't get why. He, I knew he was in a huff, but I'm like, why are you being rude to Shannon Sassaman? It's Shannon Sassaman. I think I think he's more interested at that point. Like, because this movie, like I said, goes back and forth between being like romance or sports or yeah, romance or he's sports. It's like pissed that he like lost or something. He's, he's pissed that he lost and he pissed that like um, Rufus Sewell one upped him like verbally, basically. Yeah. yeah. And um, he pushes her away a little bit, but then he comes back and he's like, hey, by the way, I do like you. And he sends her that really nice letter. But then when he's romancing her, it like the wool is kind of pulled over her eyes when he's like starts talking about her breasts in church, <laughs> which is a really funny Bro, scene. Bro, read the room. He like demands of her. He's he's like um, he's he starts this movie starts talking about gender roles a little bit, uh, a little bit ahead of its time where he's like, you know, 
men have more going on in their day. Like I don't have time to do poetry right now because I don't feel like it. And she's like, I want poetry. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's she's a lady, so she gets what she wants, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, she's like, fine, don't do poetry, fine. Um, he's like, what do you want? What do you want me to do to prove my love? And she's like, lose, like because it's it's all about like egos battling against each other. And he's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm more important in a way because I'm a man and I have a lot to do. And she's like, no, I'm going to step on that. And so there's a lot going on gender-wise in this film as well. I I know you really like this movie, but I am going to be a little offensive and say I was very neutral on the romance in this movie. That's fine. I don't. I mean, it's not making my enjoyment of the film go down. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Shannon Sossman's character, I wasn't really... A, this is not her fault because Heath Ledger is a god. She is no match for Heath Ledger in the acting stuff. She's a really good actress, but Heath Ledger is just so much better that I'm just kind of like, I, well, is this the best using, we can do? I wish hold we on, hold on. You're better. using phrases like is no match for and is so much better. I think Heath Ledger is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think, but I don't think he's so much better than Shannon Sossaman. I just think they're like, they, I think they have different acting styles. He has... Sure. He is matched by a Julia Stiles. Like in Ten Things I Hate About You, I feel like there's a lot more like active chemistry just because Julia Stiles can like um, meet the challenge of what Heath Ledger's doing. Same with Jake Gyllenhaal. Like Jake mm-hmm. and Heath, when they're doing scenes together, there there's just this like competitive aspect where they're both trying to be the best actor in that scene. I think so, and I, I don't like Shannon Sossman for for everybody's um, knowledge at this point in time wasn't an actress. She uh. was she was a dancer. And this was, I, I think this was her first big role. I'm going to ding got. the productions. Like, don't do that. Do better. <laughs> I, I don't think she was bad in this role. No, though. she's not bad. Like, like I said, she, she's nothing not Nothing she did detracted from where this movie was for me. But I've seen better romance Well, let's, work. Re- let's reproduce the movie right now. <laughs> and uh, who would you cast instead? I would bring in, I would, I mean. Don't Ju- say Julia Stiles. Find somebody else. <sighs> but Julia Stiles find would somebody be perfect else. We already, for this. I know, I know. But you're only saying that because you've seen the two of them together. Um, I would have liked to see, I think. Like an Anne Hathaway? I think a Kirsten Dunst actually might have been able to compete. I think she might have been able to pull it off. I I like that. I like that a lot. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, that's mine. Who's yours? Um, so I'm trying to think at the time. Yeah. It's like 2001. Mine's perfect. Bring it on. I mean, come on. She was, I don't think I can top it. I don't want to, I don't want to top it. Top, top Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Okay. I I think, I think Kirsten Dunst is good. Back and forth. I I was just kind of, I cheers you, but we're out of mead. (laughs) I was just kind of distracted. because I'm just like smiling gleefully at Heath Ledger and then Shannon Sossman would do her lines like, no, it's good. It's good. I, I, I think Shannon Sossman was there because, uh, A, I think her eye acting is very good. Yes, yes. Um, and I think she, she can, is very alluring. She she can repose like nobody's business. Yes, and yes. her dancing, like the Golden Years scene shouldn't work. Can we both agree on yeah, that? Yeah, it's great. Like there's there's this scene where it's the first ball that they go to together. It's a banquet. And Heath Ledger has to teach a dance because like Rufus Sewell is being a dick. And he's like, teach us a dance at Gilderland. Yeah. Ooh. And Heath Ledger can't do it right. And Shannon Sossaman, I think she's much more a physical actor because she's a dancer. Yeah. She walks around him and like fixes the situation with a clap. Yeah. And the way the two of them move together, they, they breaks into this dance sequence that again, I'm going to say shouldn't work because it's a dance sequence in the middle of a movie that's improv and it's modern. Shouldn't work, but does. That's brilliant. It's really brilliant. 
And I think Shannon Sossman was made for parts like this that maybe other characters couldn't do. Like maybe Julia Stiles could have done, but I think she was perfect for those parts. And you're right. There's there's the end scene where she's like, yes, we'll live with the pigs. And I think a couple other people could have pulled that off a little bit more. I, I could have pulled my heartstrings a little yeah. bit more because she's not looking at Heath Ledger in that scene. But again, I feel like that's the director not being like, we need you to look him in the eyes right now. Brian Hagland, I don't know. I don't like his other credits aren't super impressive to me, mm-hmm. but this movie I love. Yeah. And so I think a lot of this movie came together really well because they were able to spend their money correctly. They had great actors in it. I'm going to say Alan Tudyk. Great. Mark yeah. Addy. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Bettany. Great. Heath Ledger. Great. And, yeah. I, and I also like Shannon Sossaman. Well, that's the thing. There's there's something interesting about Mark Addy of like, okay, this guy is Robert Baratheon. Right, exactly. <laughs> you Alan know? Tudyk is Wash from Firefly. <laughs> you know, these like, guys are on their way. These are champions. <laughs> and it's just lucky that they got all of them for the price they got and that they shot in Ch- Czechoslovakia? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Czech Republic at the I time. Just I just would have put Shannon Sossman instead of Larissa Alenik in 10 Things I Hate About You. Like, I would have JGL go after Shannon Sossman, because then oh, I'd be like, totally. that makes total sense totally. that he is just, like, falling smitten. over his... <laughs> yeah, yeah, for total, sure. Because I'm very smitten by Shannon Sossman in this movie. Oh, I'm very smitten. There, yeah, there are times where I completely forget I'm watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. so I'll give that. And But my only... my only, I guess I've got a quibble. Let's go to the quibbles. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and bits. Quibbles and Bits Bits. is part of a balanced podcast diet. Please talk to your doctor before listening. Quibbles and Bits is for humans, not dogs. Part of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. I'm not crazy about what hoops she is making Heath Ledger jump through. Because she's saying, if you really love me, then you Mm -hmm. would lose. And I'm like, why does he got to lose? And then she changes her mind. She's like, okay, point taken. You don't have to lose anymore. You can win now. Okay. Tell me what you don't like about it. I don't. And then I'll respond. There are other sports movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Where our main character is being a dick, where he's like, look, I'm a champion. If you want to be a champion, be with me a champion. You got to get used to my champion ways. And I wasn't really seeing that from Heath Ledger in this. Maybe because sure. I'm so charmed by him. Sure. Where I'm just like, tell me whatever you want to say. <laughs> but I didn't see him being high and mighty. Can I walk you through the scene that I think makes it work for me? Uh-huh. So he meets her in this church after he's written her this gorgeous letter, right? And it's the first time they've seen each other in a while. But it wasn't his letter he it was part help. it was part his yeah but he had help and so she's like hey nice to see you and she's like you know love me out loud with your words that you wrote to mm-hmm. me because it like really it really turned her on folks mm-hmm. and what he starts talking about is the flanks of his horse right and so granted nobody really wants to be compared to flanks of horses anyway but let's take the metaphor out Or I guess the simile out Mm -hmm. and just reference the fact that that is directly referencing his knighthood, right? Uh Uh Uh-uh. So at this point in time, she's like, I, and this is right after he said, um, I'll win this tournament for you, which is what every other knight has said to her. And so immediately it takes him from, if we're going to use a white Christmas reference off of the horse being the knight and just to the same playing field everybody else is. Mm Mm-hmm besides the fact that he's hot and he wrote her a nice letter. Mm -hmm. And so he does that. And then he compares his love for her to the flanks of the horse. Mm -hmm. And so this is doubly making kind of, even though he's after her, he's making everything about him. And then he starts sexualizing her by talking about her breasts. 
Never a good move, bro. Not a good move. And I'm not saying that Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger just isn't really good at romance yet. Right. Right. Cause he's low class peon. Yeah. That's fine. And so a high class lady is used to a specific kind of romance. Right. Wouldn't it have been interesting if this is when she figured out, it's like, oh, this guy's a fucking liar. This guy's a yeah. con man. Like where if she was like, what house are you from again? Yeah. Um, like this would have been the big clue. Maybe she knew something about Gelderland and he's like, I've never been there. Or or like, you know, she mentions another part of it. She's like, that's right next to Gelderland. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been good. But her her making that threat at him to be like if you if you really love me show me that you care more about this than the horses mm-hmm. basically and like your own winning is something that i think she's desperately looking for from everybody else and she really wants heath ledger to prove that he might be that person and so me the move is is you're right dramatic but i think still works for me oh it's beautiful I feel the same way about the letter you sent. (laughs) Speak to me. Speak those words. I'm going to win this tournament for you. Excuse me. What, this tournament? I'll win it in your name. Every night I defeat, I defeat for you. Your beauty will be reflected in the power of my arm, the flanks of my horse. Wow. Really? Yes. Really? It's flanks? Yes. I wish to hear poetry, Ulrich. Oh, well, I'm not ready. But I am. And why must everything for a woman be run on a man's schedule? Well, a, a man's day is fuller. And, well, you see, a man, he has more demands on his time. Was that so? And, yes. Maybe. No. For me, I think it's toxic. I think it's dumb. I think it's mean. I think it's this dumb. Is, uh, this is the 13th century. I'm not going to say that relationships <laughs> were all that up to snuff. But the, that's the thing. is like people were still being married off by right. their parents. When we see stuff happen in Jane Austen stories, we're like, well, you know, back then marrying your cousin was cool. <laughs> Dude, so, I get to marry my cousin. So, nice. So there is there is the historical thing, mm-hmm. but we're modernizing lots of stuff. So if this happened in a modern movie, it would feel toxic. I don't think what she's asking of him is a very nice, thoughtful thing. Here's the thing. I Well, you're right, but again, they aren't dating, right? Sure, but she's saying, I will only date you if you do X. Well, she. this is right after he says, like... Um, like he does, he first he doesn't need to lose, right? He can make the choice. Not well, to. no, like if he wants her, he has to lose. Well, he he has to, he could just you know fold like the Colville guy, guy does, mm-hmm. but instead he chooses to prove himself by taking the hits, which is I think equally toxic. I think that's just I think that's masochistic. I I think masochistic sadistic. I I'm not. It's masochistic. Okay, um, but I think. Where it is a smidge toxic, it's it doesn't go over the edge for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's something where it's like it's slight, slightly masochistic, but it's also slightly romantic. And if you don't go over this edge that makes it like, oh yeah, all of our relationship is going to be about proving yourself like this. And we see by the end of the movie where she's like, look, 
I just want you safe. I don't want you to prove your honor by like going and being in this tournament and getting arrested. I don't need that from you. She's like, you've, you and I have proved ourselves to each other enough. Let's run away. It's, it's the Ross Rachel thing. Yeah, but but at, at the end of this movie, it's healed. I I know, but it's it's kind of like why I always I think why the Friends fans she kind has of, sex with him later that no, night. No, I know, I know. It's just kind of like there are so many things that happen between Ross and Rachel where we're just like, look, I get what you guys are into each other, but God, like, don't do that. Sure, uh, but uh, for me, there's only like one blip of an instant yeah. in this movie that's like that. The rest of it is all fun and games and like, yeah. wonderful because he's the best person to but, her. But this is where the- And she the, saves him earlier in the movie. Like, there, I think this is like the only instance of that. But this so. is the big hinge point where she's like, okay, he went through this thing. He won, like, he lost for me. He won for me. I will have him. And she doesn't reward him with sex, but then she's just like, let's yeah. be together. Well, she does like say she's his prize and he's like, I'm not deserving of a prize. <laughs> so again, this movie is really well written because like it fulfills that like, like sexual catharsis in us when we're watching it. That's like kind of Harlequin where it's like, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about each other in like a kinky way. But then yeah. at the same time it strips that away and it's like, no, we're still like advanced enough not to do that. Yeah, it feels very much like sexual fantasy. Like I am a jester in the 14th century, and you are the courtesan, and I am trying to. She's a well, she's a lady. She's not a courtesan. Come <laughs> oh, on. right. I'm the courtes. I want to be a courtes. Ooh, that would be a good con movie. He's the courtesan. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a break. Then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some tropes. And welcome back to trope talk. It's like tightrope talk with less vertigo. Yes. <laughs> We're we're veering into the conjunctions. We're we're. I mean, we're we're having having to add syllables. Yes, but I'm good with it. I'm very good with it. So today's trope, if you haven't already figured out, is period romance. Mm, indeed. What do you do with a drunken sailor? 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 It is now the evening. Oh, right. It's not early in the morning. Yeah, right yeah. Now. So with period romance, like we said just a few minutes ago, you're trying to tell a love story in a time where there were th- certain things accepted and they shouldn't be accepted. Hi, Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> there are things that are going on where it's like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that anymore. Right. And uh, part of that is telling the story of the time. Mm-hmm. And that is more like historical storytelling. But the other half is we need to still tell a romance. And the the balance between the two of those things is really what de- I think defines the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Where you can have somebody like Joe Wright who does a Pride and Prejudice, right? And for the most part, it's pretty true to the time period. Yep. Right? However, there are there are other filmmakers that want to do like a a period quote unquote period piece in the sense of let's take a Bridgerton since you brought it up earlier where they're like okay I like period as a as a costume I want to say period as a costume not just in regards to the costume but like the mannerisms um, the the writing like the way we speak the verbal um, component to it And I like all of that, but we're going to also like maybe change the casting and we're going to cast somebody um, who is not like a pasty white English person to it. Um, And in addition to that, there's um, even period pieces where they're like, we'll 
We'll actually take this story from period piece, like a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, for instance, and we'll just add another genre in there that never actually happened. And so we'll throw fantasy at this world. Yep. And this movie, what does it do with period? It's the period is really not helping for the romance other than for dancing and for other things but again it's it's, window dressing it's it's to say well they do this kind of courtly dance it's as if david bowie were playing oh we get it now what the genre can do is say like hey this is really interesting because we rarely ever see it it costs money to make period pieces like you have to work with like costumers to basically either make your material or buy a bunch of costume material and um, at, at the same, like there's horses, there's like, you have to shoot in half timbered houses. You have to go to locations and shoot when you're not like, you know, at a studio inside. And there's, there's just so much you have to think about prop wise. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of effort. So what is the, what is the reward for that effort? I think it's immersion. Immersion is a good word. You get really taken out of your own context, your contemporary time and day. Mm-hmm. And you get to thrown in. You get to be thrown in in this new world that feels real. Mm-hmm. It's not fantasy because it it feels it's still historical. It's still something that we are familiar with, mm-hmm. but it's still very it's old and new. It's new it's, to us. It's an, it's a form of escapism that doesn't our brains don't have to do that much work because right. like you know all of us grew up with you know. Uh, there's like a picture book with uh, princesses that look like they have like, you know, mid 15th century, um, like those tall, um, those tall French hats with the lace coming off the top of yeah, them. Yeah. Like we, when we go back in time, we're like, oh, okay, we, we know this in a way we know this, I guess, tr- like, I like that we're talking about it in trope talk because these history is almost a trope. If Mm -hmm. you think about it, we've seen it time and time again. And what this movie is doing, which is one of the reasons why I respect it so much, is they're saying like, you know, you know, all the tropes, you know, that like there's, you know, fencing, there's horses, there's knights, there's, you know, princesses to be one. There's bad guys that wear black armor. But what we're going to do is just twist it and make it a little bit more fun. Yeah. And like Jane Austen is probably the most fun to say, well, what would be different if they had any technology that was going to come later? Like what would happen? What would change the story if they had a phone or a car or Or a guitar or a cell phone? Mm -hmm. Like I was just thinking like if Darcy like met Elizabeth and Elizabeth's like, oh, he's such a cad, blah, 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 blah. But then like later that night, like (laughs) Mr. Darcy is following on Instagram. She's like, what? Okay. Do you think... Mr. Darcy would text a lot or he would just No. Okay. <laughs> I, it would just like Elizabeth would just like pour her heart out and Darcy would be like, okay. I yeah, I think if Darcy was like uh met you at a party and then you texted him afterwards and like, hey, what's up? He'd be like, nothing. Yeah. I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> the evening is good for sleeping. But then he would like something at three in the morning. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That would be like you would get a little she would get a notification like Darcy liked your post from two thousand eight. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like um like two thousand eight and then one in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. And so he obviously went through everything and just liked the thing that he particularly liked yeah. about you. Uh but but you know, that's the other part of like uh if say it wasn't even cell phones, say they just had telephones back back in the day. Like when anyone makes a visit, I'm we're talking about 
Jane Austen stuff. Sorry, 14th century. But when someone <laughs> makes a visit in that time, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Sure. Because you have to take... You have your, to travel. <laughs> to go all the way there. And that's the only way... Like, you can send letters, but, like, this is how you, like, made calls. But then somebody else has to travel for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would change everything if Darcy could just call the Bennets and be like, yo, sup, are you going to that thing? Okay, bye. <laughs> but it's so much different if It's more dramatic when it's like, you show up, everybody in the house hasn't seen anybody else not from the house all day. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is an event. It's become an event. And that's what makes the past so fun. Yeah. Like... These these characters, um, you have um, William Watt. Um, what's what's Mark Addy's character's name? Robert Baratheon. Robert Baratheon and uh, Jeffrey Chaucer. Yeah, and uh, they're all traveling from place to place, right? And there's there's something about that about going from place to place and being in a new city every single time that you're having to do something rather than just like meeting a new executive at your office. If we're like Bridget Jones diarying, diarising, you you know, diarising, diarising when the, and what I think it does when, when you go back in time is it adds more conflict. Naturally, everything is just a little bit harder, which makes viewing a film more interesting. Cause he can't be like, Hey, Foxy lady, what's your phone number? Right. I'll like swing by later on and Snapchat. We'll, ne- we'll Netflix and chill. No, yeah. no, no. There's decorum here. Yeah. And that's what makes periods so fun. Yeah. Sorry, women everywhere. <laughs> we know that period sucks. Period sucks, but period good. in this context, good. <laughs> good. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, I love like when you look at Seinfeld episodes, like this problem could have been solved with a cell phone. Like that's that's right. why there's this problem, right? And there's so many problems in this in the Night's Tale where it's like there's no technology to help them. I'm I'm writing a um, a mystery series television show right now, and only I'm I very specifically only gave half of my characters cell phones so that it would give them more problems. Ah, and and I I like that in this in this movie, like one of the final conflicts that comes up is. You know, they're all lining up in the the tournament um, and Heath Ledger and Rufus Sewell standing right next to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And Rufus Sewell turns to him. And he's like, by the way, I'm going to marry your girlfriend. I think he's full of shit, by the way. Yeah, I have no idea. But you couldn't say that now. You couldn't right, be like, right, by right. the way, I talked to her dad. I'm going to marry her. It's like, no, she's an independent, free-thinking person right. who can do whatever she wants. Um, but at that point in time, that's a really real thing where somebody could be forced to marry someone else. Yeah, and that was an interesting part of the movie where it's like, I'm your rival, and I see that you like this woman. Well, I'm going to marry her because I hate you. Well, yeah, basically, because the <laughs> the movie up until that point in time, like Rufus Sewell tries to impress her at the beginning, and she's like kind of there for like flirting with him, but he is obviously a dick. We see that she sees that he's a dick, right. and then she expresses no interest to him the rest of the film. Yeah. And so I like that this movie doesn't make him a romantic rival. It makes him a class rival. Uh, yeah, class rival, but I would have enjoyed if he was a romantic rival because that would have introduced some more interesting stakes to what Heath Ledger's doing. So you would have wanted partway through this movie for her to be interested in Rufus Sewell? What was the movie where I was like talking about the main character? I'm like, you won. Like the other romantic rival is a non-starter. There's no point in like being bothered or being envious of this guy because you've won. No, Moulin Rouge. I'm like, you won. Mm-hmm. Like she has no feelings for the Duke. He just gets to sleep with her and that sucks. We agree. Sure. But you should not 
have any kind of disdain towards him as a person because sure. you are a truly good person and she loves you for who you are. You won. So this is the evil Bellamy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> that's that's a new good trope for <laughs> evil us. Bellamy. Evil Bellamy. But like we know when we're watching, um, let's say a You've Got Mail that Greg Kinnear doesn't have a chance with her. But he's an angelic Bellamy. Yeah, he's he's nice, but we know it's probably like a quarter of the way through the movie that like those two people don't belong together, right? right? The same thing happens here. It's just that Rufus Sewell has a um, has a theme that sounds like this. Ladies and gentlemen, Ralph Bellamy. Always a friend, but never getting the girl. But we're so right for each other. I know. This is just like my grandmother's China. I'm surprised. I didn't expect. I don't. You don't love me. No, I, I just have to think about it for a minute. Think about what? I wish she could just accept knowing how confused I am about all this. She will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. So you know he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad guy, but I would have preferred him to have some more uh, power as a romantic rival because he's completely impotent as a romantic rival. Okay, you want to rewrite the movie again just a little bit with me? Yeah. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. What if Shannon Sossaman came from a house... And the dad owed Rufus Sewell a ton of money. Uh huh. And so maybe, you know, maybe he's a little bit more romantic. Maybe we can turn his complete outward evil down just a little bit. Yeah. And only us and Heath Ledger know exactly how evil he is. And then um, also there's some pressure put on Shannon Sossaman where if she's going to save the family, she has to marry Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You like that? Yeah, yeah. Do you like that? Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've talked... Period. No, I wait, to... wait. I have a I have a counter to that though. A counter to what? The, to your, the rewrite? Yeah, to your oh, rewrite. Go, go Here's my rewrite. I would have it so that like the whole point of Heath Ledger is that he's trying to like punch above his station. Sure. He's like, I can compete with these lords. Sure. I can be a noble. Which he can. Yeah. Yeah. And he's more noble than most of them. Yeah. And I would love to see like uh Rufus Sewell really pursue Shannon Sussman and she's like, eh, no, 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 no. But it gets to a point where like he Rufus Sewell can bring it in the like being romantical part mm. because and Heath Ledger keeps f- like fucking up a yeah, little he's bit, futzing even, everything. Even though she like she's way more attracted to him and she knows he's a truer person. Maybe Rufus Sewell is like good at poetry. The poetry part. I'm she's good like, at poetry, <laughs> <laughs> but like. You know, Rufus Sewell could be the more classically handsome, but he does the poetry stuff and he can be the Lord. Wait, I'm sorry. What did you just say with your dirty mouth? Rufus Sewell is the more classically handsome. Don't you think so? Heath Ledger is far more handsome, but Rufus Sewell is the more like, I'm British, boring, refined, handsome, but like... I'm sorry. I just don't know the difference. I may be... Okay. I was... Maybe I was preemptively too mad at you, but Rufus Sewell... This movie starts with Heath Ledger having dread dreads like he is not here's here's the thing i think about heath ledger even with the dreads and the bad facial hair he's still better looking uh no i, I, I agree I, he's better looking rufus sewell. Rufus no, sewell is I'm a very saying, handsome gentleman i'm saying in this in this world but also plenty other centuries to follow rufus sewell has that like 
clean cut refined look that makes him look like a lord you know what i mean sure sure so advance them to the 1990s and heath ledger is obviously more handsome right Uh, but uh, okay but in this society he he looks the part he has if you if you took off um rufus sewell's like shirt he has like a little bit of flab on him it's like oh he's rich so that makes him more handsome exactly okay (laughs) but my point is he could actually like beat heath ledger Truly, in like some of these departments where Heath Ledger is trying his best to be like, I got to bring it as the Lord part, mm-hmm. the poet part, and Rufus Sewell just like, like knocks him down. See, I I like that. It's obviously a different movie. I think it'd be a little less fun. He'd be but, a different kind of rival. But but I still like it. Yeah. yeah. Th- then it then wouldn't be about having a bad guy. It would be about having like the true like. Oh man, how am I gonna? That would turn it into like a fifty percent romance if we're still going off the math from earlier. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was about to ask you what your favorite like medieval period thing was about this movie, but I think instead I'm going to ask what rom com Oscar you would give it. I mean, best soundtrack, best dance scene. Oh man, it was a good dance scene, wasn't it? Ninety percent because of David Bowie. I mean, it's oh, mostly kind of lame, but but it's it's David Bowie because it's David Bowie. It's it's here. That's my favorite David Bowie song. So continue. I just gotta let people know. But it's David Bowie being in a being a brilliant choice in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you know when they they're doing like the punch in the air dance part. Yeah. I don't know if two people have ever looked like, I don't know if in a moment I've ever wanted two people to have sex with each other more. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just something about the fun they're having that night. That's like, I want to I be one of the two of you but, right now. But the scene is choreographed, but not so choreographed, but still choreographed where it's like they're dancing to David Bowie in this period film. And they're taking this really silly thing very seriously uh-huh i'm in yeah me too okay good oscar mm-hmm. good oscar i'm gonna give this best camera work oh okay yeah sure because there's a lot that i would like to give this movie i do think heath ledger might earn best actor for this mm-hmm. it's so good i think paul bettany is also brilliant in this film but there is something about shooting a sports movie that is difficult once you've shot like a certain amount of sport yeah where it's like okay we've seen them throw this football and get tackled like every which way that looks interesting possible and we're only halfway through the movie Mm -hmm. this movie manages to film a dance scene like just like the forest the forest is hard to shoot because it's all very green and it just looks weird on screen it makes people's skin look green um the like him going through a church yeah, like, it's it's a really beautiful symmetrical shot, but especially all of the all of the horses running past wood while knights are carrying long sticks. Yeah, um, we haven't even talked about the phallic symbolism there, sure. but it's fine. Whatever the filmmaking, whether it's slow motion or just like coming overhead in a crane shot, it's yeah. just so absolutely gorgeous yeah. and. The cinematographer and the director obviously thought long and hard about long and hard huh. um, about just really giving us a film that's worth not only coming back to and watching again, but while you're watching it, never getting bored of those moments. Oh, yeah. The filmmaking yeah. is really interesting. Every scene, there's always something good going on. And it on. didn't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. 
Like this could have just been like another silly adventure movie, but this is why I like this film and have gone back to it so many times because I like when I like when filmmakers care about what they're doing. Yeah. And it's it's very apparent that everybody from the actors to the art department to the director to the cinematographer to the editors to the music. Mm-hmm. Um the I mean what what does Sid want to be? Our friend Sid. She wants to be a music supervisor. A music supervisor. Everybody cared so much about this film, and that makes me care about it. But I especially liked the yeah. cinematography. The only thing I'm missing, I wanted a subplot between Wash and <laughs> what is his name in this movie? Mark Addy. Um, no, uh, the other one. Paul Bettany. No, the other one. Uh, he's in Firefly. Wash. Yeah. What's his name? Watt. Watt. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Watt and the blacksmith. Wouldn't it have yeah. been great if they had like a romantic thing? Yeah, yeah. I I kind of liked that none of the three of them had any romance going on. Yeah, but be, because the only other, well, actually, the only other kind of romance was going on was Mark Addy flirting with Shannon Sossman's like lady in waiting. Oh yeah, that would have been good too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a lot on the cutting room floor in this movie because yeah. it's two hours and twelve minutes, which makes me think that like. They were lucky to get as as short as they did, right? Probably, but I would like to see that stuff. Like anybody in the industry that knows any of these people could get us some of the deleted scenes. I would love to see them. This is a movie that I wish I had a movie theater to watch it in. Yeah, well, one day, one day, one day, a big movie theater. Uh, so I must ask you now of this fine-looking cast. Say it in poetry. Satan poetry, Ryan. Doth you give your heart to? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. I would say Paul Bettany because I love him so much, but he's got a gambling problem and I think he needs to work on that a yeah. little bit. Come on. Shannon Sossaman. Damn. Hot damn. But I'm going to go with Heath Ledger. Mm. He's got the passion that moves me. And those locks, I can't get over the locks. So I'm going to say Heath Ledger. God, those dreadlocks. Not the dreadlocks, just <laughs> yeah, the regular so locks. Got those just up. the regular locks. Yeah. There's very few people that can have blonde hair in lock form that are men that I could be like, yeah, that's an attractive look. But mm-hmm. he's got whatever it is. He's got it. He's got it. I'm going with Shannon Sossman. Woo! Can't blame you. Because she is a Medusa. <laughs> I really think a Medusa oblongata. A Medusa. I really think part of how she got cast is that she's so charming and she's so beautiful and she's so graceful that she just kind of like did her audition, but then just like looked at the director with her eyes and the director's like, sure. Do you want to play both parts? You can be anything you want in this movie. <laughs> just, she is, she so is very med- temptatious. Just to make sure that we are, you know, are alluding correctly. A, um, a Medusa would have turned that director into stone. Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors, but there's something, <laughs> there's something powerful. Never mix your metaphors. There's something powerful from her eyes. Yeah. It's very much so. So, and it's magical. And like, it's I tempting. love when she smiles because it's carried all the way to her eyes. Yeah. It's very good. It's a, it's a thousand watt smile. Ooh, very nice. I think that's a thing. That's a thing, right? Sure. That's sure. a thing. Okay. Um, 
Well, Ryan, uh, we don't have the train man didn't show up today. Thank God. I just couldn't have handled him after the, the ordeal I had today. But we did post our most recent bonus episode today. What is that most recent bonus episode on? It's on Portal. Portal! The video game Portal, a famed puzzle platformer game. And we have a lot, like, as your wife said, I just like hearing you guys get, like, excited about something. Like We get really excited about this game. <laughs> so even if you don't know the game, uh, we're told that you don't need to know about the game. You can just have a good time mm-hmm. hearing us get geeky. You can go to patreon.com back, or forward slash. Oh, I almost just say do slash. Don't worry about which direction it's going. Just slash it. So patreon.com slash romcom gents, and you can listen to our bonus episodes for Wonder Woman, for Solo, a Star Wars movie, for Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, a Hayao Miyazaki film, for Portal. We're building a compendium. Come join the family. Library. It's a lot of fun. Also, vote in our movie poll. Uh, this 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 movie's tonight, A Night a Night's Tale. That was a part of the last month's uh, poll. Mm-hmm. It was tied with the movie that came before it for Just Like Heaven. So hopefully Rachel won't make another tie happen. But <laughs> What do we have so far? This month we've got your choices are five-year engagement, Palm Springs, It Could Happen to You, and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Currently, Palm Springs is winning. Whoa, that's a turnaround. So, okay, yeah. very cool. So that's that's what's winning. Well, um, again, check that out at patreon.com slash romcom, gents. Next week. Next week. It's a very special episode. Yes. Um, we don't even have to pick our movie because we've already actually recorded the episode as of right now. <laughs> we got together with the ladies from... On the Verge, which is a very fantastic podcast. It's really um, great. <laughs> it's Liz Beeson and Rebecca Ducker. They're awesome. They talk about virginity a lot. Which there was this moment in this movie today where uh, it's when Rufus Sewell is trying to flirt with Shannon Sossaman. And he's like, I've actually never been unhorsed. And she's like, <laughs> me neither. And I was like, ooh, I like this flirting. They're but, saving for marriage. But <laughs> literally... When they when, unhorse each other. Well, later. Heath Ledger does with <laughs> right. with her, not not Rufus Sewell. And the way that she approaches him, I'm like, you're I don't think you're a virgin. <laughs> I wouldn't guess because she just has a lot of confidence in the bedroom. A lot of a lot of that bedroom. She confidence. knew her way around. Yeah, she for knew sure. her way. around. She knew where the pillows were, where the blankets were. Uh, yes, yeah. she knew what was happening, where the headboard was. Sure. And um, but anyway, uh, Liz and Rebecca came on our podcast and we discussed Never Been Kissed. Um, the 2001, 1999, 1999, Drew Barrymore, nine times, nine times. Uh, yes, it was really great having the on the verge pod talk about this very verge film. Very verge, very <laughs> verge. Never been kissed is like even more verge sure. than usual. So, uh, we had a great time. Check out on the verge mm-hmm. and check out our next episode next week where we talk about never been kissed. Yeah. Well, um, Oh, we actually did get a letter this week too. Cool. So let's uh, let's finish this up with a letter. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you got mail. You sent me a letter. You got mail. Uh, this was from good friend of the pod, Paul Benedict. Uh, good friend of ours. Yeah, uh, we were both at his wedding. Yeah, yeah. Cool dude. What's up? What's up, Paul? What's up? What's up? Um, who had who had a uh, kind of a wreck on his moped this week? So we're all we're all hoping you feel better, there, man. Yeah, love you. Yeah, we love you. But he suggested that we put a very long engagement on our list, which is a romance film, not a rom com necessarily. But what do you think about putting that on our list? 
Put it on the list. Putting it on the list. There you go, Paul. Thanks for suggesting it. Uh, we love you, but Ryan, I don't get jealous because I, I really love you. Mm. Well, I too love you, much like Heath Ledger loves a good horse. <laughs> I love you, Ryan, like I love my horse's flanks. And this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on the Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. To answer your question, no, I don't put things in my pocket because Theo just sees that I put it in my pocket and he's like, give me what's in your pocket. That baby's going to be a thief. (laughs) What's it say? It says, dear Robert, you are a thief. What is it? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, What's it say? uh, Yeah, something like, dear Roger, you are a thief and should be in jail. (laughs) And then he's like, groovy. (laughs) Groovy. Do you think Philip is like a bartender's name? Like my father was a Philip and I'm Philip. My oh, father's you're father filling was things a up. Yeah. Uh yeah. I think it was French for like at one point in time in this movie they mentioned Philip Dimitri. That's just Philip Dimitri. Like he got married to somebody named Dimitri and it's, yeah, oh, oh he, that's sexy. <laughs> Cuz he was a Thatcher. A Thatcher. He Thatcher. William moves. Thatcher. And he was the great Great, 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 great grandfather of either that or he was feeding horses, horses, horses. Like, cause that's how you fill up in back in the day. It's like a Philip station. You go to Philip. Give us some hay. Hi, this is Philip's Philip station.